Welcome to About Faith with Alec Klein. I'm honored to be your host of this weekly half-hour program airing on HLE Radio every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Central and replayed Sundays at 5 p.m. Central. We'll be hearing inspiring stories from people from all walks of life sharing with us their journey to faith. Today we're with Renee Ralph. Renee's story is filled with hardship and a testing, I think, of character and soul, but her story is also filled with hope and victory. But, you know, frankly, it's not a story for me to tell. Let's hear this from Renee herself. So please tell us your story from the beginning, Renee. I will. Thank you, Alec, for having me on. It is always a pleasure and an honor to give God glory through the test that give us a testimony. And uh, as I tell my story, I realized that um, as I, I wrote the book Accused to glorify God and to let people know that when you are in a test, a testimony means if he did it for you, he'll do it for me. And so I hope that as you hear my story, you realize that God is faithful and he is um, faithful to his word and will do exactly what you need him to do. He shows up and shows off in the most amazing ways. So I'll start my story by saying that I was at the pinnacle of my career. I was a real estate developer in Naples, Florida. We had three communities um, under development. All of them had won amazing awards. So I was also considered uh, by my peers developer of the year. Uh, and I will say that at that point in my life, I was uh, very I was proud of what I was doing. I didn't realize that I had become prideful and all of the important things in my life were the accolades that I got in my work and not necessarily standing on the word. And I believe that God, he always goes before us. He knows what's coming and he prepares us. And although I was raised in a Christian family, um, I attended Catholic school. I became a born-again Christian in 1982 and I knew how to listen to the word, but I am sure that God knew that I didn't know how to use the word as a weapon in a trial, what I would consider a trial of a lifetime. And so I was in church with my uh, husband, and they were doing the pre-announcements, and one of the School of Ministries folks was talking about signing up for this wonderful School of Ministries. It was two nights a week uh, from 7 to 9, and I, I tuned out immediately because I was, like, working 60 hours a week. I had two children, 6 and 17. And, you know, life. So it certainly was not for me. And I heard a voice, and it said, you need to sign up for that now. And I turned sort of snarkily to my husband at the time, and I said, what? And he said, I didn't say anything. I said, I just heard you say that I should sign up for that. I don't have time to go to the bathroom most days, much less sign up for a commitment that's nine months long, two nights a week. He said, I didn't say anything. And I heard it again. So it was truly the Holy Spirit nudging me gently to say, you need to go. And so I did. And it, it was a nine-month uh, filling of standing on the word, understanding the word, understanding who God is and who he would be for me. And I graduated from the School of Ministries in 2000, and the, and the trial began uh, of a lifetime in 2001. And so at the pinnacle, we've got these great uh, real estate developments going on. 
one of our partners uh, met someone who said, listen, Naples, Florida is the golf capital of the world. Wouldn't it be great if we built something called Stadium Naples? So we, they began the process. It was going to be uh, for, you know, the Ryder Cup and all these wonderful uh, golf tournaments. And one of our other partners, who was our financial partner, secured the land. We hired um, a friend of mine who went to church with me, who was the county uh, manager, and said, we need somebody bigger than who we are to run this venture because it was more than just a regular real estate development. And in this, one of the um, introductions was by a Collier County Commissioner. Well, when we made the introduction about this unveiling of this grand stadium, Naples, uh, a resident said that a Collier County Commissioner was using his influence. And it opened the door to a storm that was just that of conspiracy and corruption. And so I won't tell the whole story, but I will tell you that uh, in this process, I learned that the justice system is an injustice system. Mm. I learned that you can accuse someone even if you don't have any evidence of a crime. And so as the story goes, arrests for the next year began, and none of them were me or the, the, the partners that we had. But when they were calling over my um, neighbor and financial partner uh, and business partner, I said, I will drive you to Miami because through this, I had been sort of the prayer warrior. And when I got there, uh, his attorney said, bad news, Renee, they've decided that because the RICO conspiracy expires tomorrow, the ability to charge you and, and so they've decided they're going to arrest you, too. And when you hear those words, I can't even begin to tell you the thoughts that swirled. Um, what am I going to tell my children? What am I going to tell my family? From that moment on, I will just tell you it was an 18-month trial. Charges were filed. Charges were dropped. Uh, we went through 18 months of um, a prosecutor bent on destroying my life. I mean, if I might, uh, Renee, that must have been a shock to the system after all the sort of success that you'd had to suddenly find yourself being arrested and charged. Uh, uh, what was the charge? I was charged with a conspiracy to commit racketeering. So I, I was like the lowest level. They knew that uh, I had not participated in any of this. I only owned a 5% share in the company. But they knew that if once the, the statute of limitations ends, they, they can't charge you any longer. And so at that moment, honestly, the drive back was a very quiet drive from Miami back to Naples. But the Lord just spoke to me and he said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so through the entire trial, and, and even when they, they uh, said that we had to turn ourselves in the next day, I have never been so thankful that God went ahead of me and then I had peace. When I went in and I had to, you know, they call your name and say that you have to plead and I pled not guilty. And then they took me in for the mugshot and I smiled in my mugshot. And they said, ma'am, you are not allowed to smile in your mugshot. And I said, I'm not smiling. I just have a, you know, buck teeth and overbite or whatever. <laughs> and because I knew that I, that, that the, the media and, and the enemy wanted to make you look as, as they do, bad and guilty. And I had not done anything. And so I said from the onset of this trial, 
it is going to be my joy that is going to change everything. And all of the articles, I have a five-inch. We were in the newspaper I have at least a 1,000 times. I was above the fold in the Naples Daily News for uh, above the capturing of Saddam Hussein. Wow. So I know it's just a little town in Naples, Florida, but we became uh, the target of corruption. And I was like, wow. But they always referred to me as the nonstop smile of Renee. And, <laughs> and what is she smiling about? And I'm like, ask me, because I would love to have a testimony to be able to share with the prosecutor or those. But I will tell you, it was a very difficult time. Uh, God stripped me, and I, I didn't realize it until I was going through this wilderness experience, is that the things that were on me, although he had whispered quietly, you know, he speaks in that still, quiet voice, he couldn't get my attention because the world around me had become so loud. I was full of pride and ambition and accomplishment, and I was not usable for kingdom purposes that way. And so I had to be humbled, and this is not a way I'd recommend for anybody to be humbled, but um, it definitely, in the wilderness, stripped me of everything. And I believe he gives you beauty for ashes, but you have to give him the ashes. Well, can can you just describe, though, in some detail what you mean by being stripped of all these things uh, from the world that you knew? What what was taken away from you, and, and how are you dealing with this? You know, you had young children, you had a career, you were married. What, what, what was happening amid all of this turmoil? It's a good question. So it, it was a domino effect. If you can imagine, uh, we were one— of the largest employers in Collier County. Well, once you can't go to work because the bank says, I'm not going to finance you anymore because you're currently an accused felon, you, you quickly lose your reputation in the community. Mm-hmm. So now I don't have a job because I can't go to work, and I am currently you know, under an investigation. I'm spending all my time trying to go through helping the attorney to, to try and reduce my, you know, I had to start with the $250,000 up front to take your case. Wow. And then he said, you're innocent until you're proven indigent. So the minute you run out <laughs> of money, you face, and they said every, every article, you know, could face up to 30 years in prison. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Wow. So during the course of all this, uh, our marriage fell apart. My oldest daughter attempted suicide. Oh, uh, I am telling you, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. But the deeper the, the, the wilderness and the loneliness got, the closer I got to God. So I learned a lot of lessons. I learned the first one and the most important one was forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And I had to forgive the prosecutor. I had to forgive uh, my former husband. I had to forgive myself. That's the hardest. Renee, if I might, if I, if I might say, you say this so calmly and yet, what you're describing is painful. It, I mean, it's anguish. I mean, uh, I, I, so I don't know how you say it so calmly, but it, it's, um, it sounds absolutely uh, terrible. Uh, how, how, did you, how, did you, how did you manage it? Um, a lot of time in the Word. I, I think that you cannot manage any trial in life, big or small, without reading the Word, 
receiving the word, not just as knowledge, but in your heart, knowing that God is not a man. He does not lie. If he says that he's going to restore you, he will. If he says that he, you know, forgiving you shall be forgiven, it's a process. It's a relationship. And honestly, that 18 months took me from religion to relationship in a way that if I wasn't totally dependent on him and he had to take everything away from me, he used what the enemy meant for my harm for my good. Wow. And I have to tell you that there was a lot of um, nights where I cried and I didn't understand. But the Holy Spirit was there to comfort me. And if you lose hope and you lose faith in the midst of the storm, you can't survive it. But let me ask you this. In that deepest, darkest moment when you're crying and you're lonely and you've lost everything, to what extent is it difficult to hold on to that faith, uh, no matter how strong it is in the best of times? Uh, for, for you, how was that uh, uh, for you? Were you able to kind of hold on to that faith or were there moments of struggle in your faith? I would be lying if I told you there were not many moments of struggle. And, and it forced me to, you know, and some, some may be shocked at this, but to, to wrestle with God, to argue mm-hmm. with him, to, to say, you said, and, and say, you said you would give me beauty for ashes. You said that I would have joy instead of mourning. You said. And God wants us to be standing in our beloved sons and daughters' role and say, listen, I am a covenant-keeping God. Angels are waiting. They hearken to my word. So if your mouth, if you agree and do commercials for the enemy by agreeing with what he says, you're defeating yourself. So regardless of what you see with your eyes, what do you see with your spiritual eyes? Rise up and sit with me and let's look down at the situation in a different way. And Alec, I will tell you, it is a, even today, in the, in the turmoil we find ourselves in with this coronavirus and the economy and the, you know, the seven mountains that, that need to be you know, taken back as territory to glorify God, we are all in a position right now where our mouth, what is in our mouth matters. Because you either, you either agree with God or you agree with the enemy. There is no in-between. One thing I wanted to uh, ask you, Renee, as you were describing this um, story, this unbelievable story, is the voice of the Holy Spirit. You've mentioned that. And it's something that I, I have often thought about because, uh, you know, the question in my mind is, is it literally a voice that you hear? And it sounds like in some instances, going back to when you were sitting in church that you heard it, but is it literally a voice that you hear or is it something that you feel or is it something else even beyond that? That's a good question. I think it's a lot of, it's all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, There are many books that I have read about, you know, how to hear from God because there was points in, in my life where it's like, I can't hear you. You know, speak to me. Give me something. I will say that I've only audibly heard a voice twice in my life. But it was like, wow, I heard you. And I think that um, because I am such a, um, a, a outstanding, outspoken person, 
he speaks to me in a lot of different ways. And usually I'm so loud that his voice can't always be heard. Um, so I will I sense him. Um, I'll, I know it's crazy, but I'll look up into the sky and I'll see clouds that look like angels. I can feel it in my spirit man. I spend a lot of times just praying the spirit because I, I don't know sometimes what to do or what to say. You know, it reminds me, Renee, if I might, that it's not what we see with our eyes or hear with our ears. It's it, it goes beyond that, because if you think about it, among the most important things in the world, in our world, which is, you know, love, for instance, that's not something you can actually look at and say, there's there it is. Right. I mean, it's not with our eyes. It's it's a. Uh, so it's it's uh, it, that sort of I guess goes to our faith, really, right? Correct. And just ask the Holy Spirit to take charge of your mind because it's the noise all around us that sort of filters out that that intimate time with Him. And you know, intimacy is into me you see, and He will. He 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 is so so generous and so faithful and so good. Although I have to say, Renee, as you said that. It's not on our time, right? I mean, it's on God's time. But so, that, which brings us back to your story. I want to know what happened. So, you're in this terrible ordeal. You're being pressured uh, by the prosecutors. Your face and name is above the fold in the newspapers on a daily basis. Your uh, reputation is in tatters. Yeah. My, my picture would be on the front page of the newspaper, and I would go to the grocery store or through the drive thru at McDonald's, and people would whisper and say, that's and they'd have the newspaper in their hands. And I was like, do you want me to sign it? I'm happy to <laughs> autograph it. I'll fast forward through the story. You know, if you don't have a sense of humor, you'll never make it through a trial. Well, I'm impressed. I'm impressed already with your attitude about this because, you know, it's easy to sort of shirk away from that kind of uh, experience where people are staring and pointing and condemning with their eyes or even in their whispers. But, but it sounds like you really stood up to it and, uh, that's that. That's remarkable in itself. And I think that during a lot of my prayer time, the the Lord revealed to me that He could not have used me in the state that I was in, but He was preparing me for a ministry where He would use me. And you know, we talk about the body of Christ. Well, I always joke and say, "Well, I'm the mouth." <laughs> so he, he knew that He could use my mouth, and I wouldn't be ashamed to stand up and tell people anything. And so, you know, Stacy and and I and two other women created after this dreams realized. We talked about real women with real stories and testimonies and, and real victories where God, in, in today's world, not Old Testament, not well, we read about what happened to the woman who pressed in and touched, just if I could just touch the hem of his robe. No, these are real today things that, where God is showing up and showing off. Mm. And so I knew that, that in this, that the devil was after me. He wanted to shut me up and he wanted to take me out. And so I had to stand up to him and not cower. I hadn't done anything wrong. I hadn't committed a crime. And I wasn't going to cower in the face of all this adversity. I was going to stand strong and in the joy of the Lord and create a testimony through the test. And so I'll just fast forward. It was um, February. And my so it was it was a fast divorce. My uh, former husband uh, and I got divorced in uh, December of the year uh, 2002. In 2003, in February, 
uh, we had a, a conversation where he had asked to make a schedule change. And I said, I'm happy to make a schedule change. Let me just look at my calendar. And he accused me of being strong-willed. Can you believe that? <laughs> so I thought, you know what? Let me just go on and look for a Christian personality profiling that will let God expose the, the, the deep wounds of my heart so that I can turn them over to him and have them refined. And so I typed in Christian personality profiling and eHarmony popped up. You know, find your soulmate. And I'm like, I am not looking for a soulmate. <laughs> but they had a 29-dimension question error that I thought, well, the only thing I want out of this is to see what God sees in me. What are my high points? What are my low points? And, and I'll go from there. So I got my results the next morning, and I thought, wow, that was really very accurate. And, and it exposed a couple of things in me. You know, how to talk to Renee and what are the things? Wait, wait, she... wait! What did they say? <laughs> Come on, let's hear it. What's what's the profile? <laughs> Take it. It, it is. I, it's absolutely worth. You know, it's like Renee needs a stage. Really? <laughs> um, I, I like to. Anyway, there was a lot of things in it that that sort of exposed some things that I had to sort of lay down. When you hear that, you know, lay it all down. It means that you lay it down, you don't pick it back up. And and there are parts of our personality, all of them. You know, that's what the fire is for or the chafing, it's to get rid of the rough edges so that we are a better version of ourselves, that, that we go from glory to glory. Long story short, uh, about a month later, I got a ding, you have a match. And I just giggled and I thought, well, <laughs> nobody here wants to talk to me, so I'll just play along with this. And so the way that eHarmony works is you just kind of do back and forth questions. And it was, you know, if you wanted to go on vacation, would you sit and read a book? Would you go uh, water skiing? Would you jump out of an airplane? And I think that through that, they, they decide if you are a good match for the person that they've matched you with. So that was February. Uh, early March, uh, Scott and I had our very first uh, email interaction where it wasn't through the, e the eHarmony system. And at this point, I had not revealed to him that I was currently um, an accused felon and that I was under a $10,000 bail and that, you know, my entire minor life Minor details. Minor details. And if he thought that visiting somebody in prison would have been fun or you know, he had a prison <laughs> ministry, this could be it. And so he had come up with uh, – he's very organized. He's not like me at all. He came up with like 15 questions, and they were everything from, you know, tell me about your childhood to the weirdest one was tell me about the time you were almost arrested. And I thought, well, God, I hope he doesn't get to that question. <laughs> uh, so it was, you know, several weeks into our uh, exchange of all these fun questions that that one came up. And so I wrote a very, uh, I'll call it the draft, the first draft of this book in a, an email that just described what I had been through and where I currently was. And I ended it by saying, you know, either you're going to immediately sort of disconnect from eHarmony and, and I wouldn't blame you at all. Or God has certainly appointed you for such a time as this to, you know, be a prayer warrior and a partner with me in the trial of a lifetime. And so he responded with, man, you are a modern-day Job sans the boils, I hope, because we had not met, <laughs> nor had we seen pictures of each other. Um, and, and a beautiful romance unfolded. Uh, that was early March. We met for the first time. I had to ask for permission to travel for my bail bondsman, which is talk about humiliation. Uh, but we met for the first time on top of the Empire State Building on March the 27th. 
Uh, we were engaged on July 13th on the top of the uh, Eiffel Tower, and we got married December 31st of 2003. Wow, what a story. So that's the, 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 the good news at the end of the story. But we, when we got married in December, um, when we came back from the trial, uh, let me back up just a little bit. So that was in March. April, the prosecutor contacted my attorney and said, we really have no uh, evidence that Renee did anything. And she is the most credible and truthful witness that we have for the prosecution. So we would like to offer to drop all the charges against her in exchange for her becoming a state witness against all of these other people. Which I thought was a wonderful opportunity because I would tell the truth about anything and anyone on that stand. And so on April the 10th, 2003, all the charges were dropped against me and I became a witness for the state. And so as I went through each of the trials of our attorney, of our partners, go ahead, Alex, I hear a question. Renee, yeah, I got to say that I was letting that sort of digest and I'm thinking, wait a minute. So all this time they're charging you with a terrible crime, possibly 30 years in prison, and then suddenly, wait a minute, no, no, no actually forget about all that and can you join our side and just like that just like that i mean but it was you know what i referred to it as a suddenly Mm. right because god works i I always say he never shows up early but he's never late he misses lots of opportunities to like come when i need him to come so and i and i say that because he is a god of suddenly so april the 10th you know, four is the number of the world. Ten is judicial completion. And so I thought, you know, this is just God saying, I'm releasing you, and your testimony is the truth, and it needs to be told. And so I'm going to, I may or may not put you on the stand. So the, the first trial comes up, and it was for our attorney, and I drove down to the Collier County uh, courthouse, and I sat in the parking lot, and I said, Lord, if there is any way that this cup can pass me by, let it. And literally, my phone rang, and it was the prosecutor, and he said, you don't need to testify. You can go. And I was like, Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> so then, you know, months later, each of these, um, the court hearings continued to go on. I didn't have to come up to any of them. And so in December 31st, my husband and I got married. We took our entire family. We went on a beautiful cruise to St. Thomas. We come home, and we got home on the 4th. On the 6th, the final trial where I was going to testify against my partner was in Sarasota. They had relocated the trial to, you know, out of fairness because there was no um, fairness that was left here. They had already persecuted us uh, in the Naples Daily News, and so they moved the trial to Sarasota. So my husband and I were walking down the driveway and we were just praying because I was going to head to Sarasota that morning. And I said, Lord, if there is any way, I know I've already asked this once, but you know what? I I am obedient. I will go if you want me to go. I will tell the truth. But if there's any way that you can let this cup pass, please do. And we got to the end of the driveway and on the front page, the, the commissioner who this entire prosecution was out for and against, pled guilty, and all the charges against my partner were dropped, and the case was closed. Wow. Renee, we're running out of time here. We could, Frankly, I could talk to you all day long about this. This is an incredible story, but just 
for our listeners. Please tell us where you are today, what's going on, and tell us about the restoration of your life. So a quick restoration story, God literally, we had one piece of property that had not been developed. God restored, and it's mathematically impossible, but he restored what the enemy stole in uh, legal fees seven times. So he is a God of promise. You know, the minimum is, is double for your trouble. Sevenfold is wonderful. And I believe that, that my next declaration is uh, Deuteronomy 111 said he'll bless us a thousand times. And so I lived a mountaintop experience for the last, um, thir- for the next 13 years. You know, he takes you out of the wilderness and he lets you come up and be euphoric and wonder and celebrate. And we were able to be a blessing in the kingdom. And we had, you know, the speaker series that we did. We did mission trips. And honestly, we spent the next 13 years just glorifying God. Well, Renee, I, I'm just uh, utterly amazed by your story, and I am so thankful and grateful f- that you shared it with us. It's uh, it's inspiring, and uh, I'm so moved by it. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Alex. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to About Faith with Alec Klein. Please stay tuned for our next episode airing on HLE Radio every Tuesday at 9 p.m. Central and replayed Sundays at 5 p.m. Central. We'll be hearing inspiring stories from people from all walks of life sharing with us their journey to faith. I'd love to hear from listeners. Please reach out to me through my website, alekklein.net. That's A-L-E-C-K-L-E-I-N dot net. Until next time, have a great week.